It takes a lot to get a ministry like this going. Sometimes we don't understand what it costs. It costs the family everything. Amen. I know, I know that we are sensitive uh, to um, focusing on individuals because of the errors of the past. But you don't throw the water with the baby. There is a principle of giving honor where honor is due. Because it takes a man and a woman of faith, a family of faith, to stand in a place of obedience over the years. Amen? It takes a sacrifice. It takes laying down your life to create an atmosphere like this. To allow God to come into an atmosphere like this. There is a lot of work that goes into it. A lot of sacrifice, a lot of prayer, a lot of intercession. So we need to give honor where honor is due because the church specializes on talking about people when they fail. If a servant of the Lord fails or something bad happens, we, we, that, then we all talk about it. Hello? Which is the wrong time to talk about it. But when God is doing great things, when God is moving, we, we, we kind of play it down. It's like, okay, something is happening there, but you know, that's not the right spirit. We need to learn how to give honor where honor is due. Amen. We need to recognize what God, God is doing something here at Shofar Church. I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, when last did I see this? Where people enjoy the presence of God. When no one is in a hurry to go anywhere, we are here. That is very unique, folks. For you, maybe it's normal. For me, it's like, wow, they are still here. I mean, <laughs> last time I was here, people were still here at 10. I'm thinking, they are still here. These people love God. Let's give Jesus a hand of praise for what God is doing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So we thank God for what he is doing. And it's important to recognize when God is at work. Because many a times we only know after something has happened that something great has happened. And, it, and sometimes we only know when we lose it. Mm -hmm. We only know when we lose it, God forbid. We only know when we lose it that, wow, that was something. And then we point to what something at the back, but in that moment, we did not recognize that God was in our midst. So I want you to be able to live in the moment. Don't live somewhere in the future. You see, the world always tells us there's something better, there's something better, there's something, it's here. What is better is here. What is great is now. Live in that moment, recognize what God is doing here and now. Let me give another example. The book of Acts, the, the children of God in the first century church, they did not know that they were having a revival. We, in retrospect, when we look back, we realize that was a revival. But they were living in the revival every day. They did not even call it a revival. They did not even know it's a revival. It was normal life to them. What am I saying to you? Sometimes we can be in a moment of revival, but just because we have a certain expectation, we have been told revival looks like this or revival looks like that. We may not be aware that the very moment we are in, 
God is in our midst and he is the God of revival. It's only when we look back at our, you see, when you look at the early church compared to us, you realize they had a revival. Why? Because we are lukewarm. So it's only in your backslidden stage that you are able to recognize that that was a move of God because comparatively speaking, I'm not at that level. So you can be in a moment with God now and not even recognize that you are in the middle of something. So that's why it's always important to embrace the moment that God gives you. To embrace, you know, when COVID hit, we realized, hmm, church is important. Hello, hello, hello. How, how, many, how many realize that, you know, church is actually very important. It's very important for us. Fellowship is very important. We miss each other. This, we need this thing. And we began to become restless. But we've been taking it for granted all these years. Until the Lord said, I want to stop you at your tracks and make you appreciate the moments I give you. So the Lord is saying to us, appreciate every moment that I give you because every moment I give you is a golden moment. Fully embrace it. Be in that moment. Be thankful that you are here. Be thankful that you are in the presence. Don't expect something, something, there's something else. No, it's here. This is it. And ask the Lord to open it up wide so that you will fully draw everything in this moment now. So I love the way Pastor Andre pushes it. Man, I mean, he is relentless like a pit bull. Come on. I love that. I love, I mean, that's, that's, that is prophetic. That is what opens up the heavens. That is what, because it, you, you stay there. Because listen, folks, this, you see, God is not in the chronology of time as in hours, minutes, and seconds, and days. God lives in the place called the Kairos. Hello? There are two words in the Greek, the Kronos and the Kairos. God lives in the place called the Kairos, meaning seasons in God. So we live in the Kronos, the hours, the minutes, the seconds. We count 60 minutes. God is like, what is that? So when you say to God, Lord, by tomorrow morning at 10, I need you to show up. God is like, what are you talking about? What is tomorrow morning? Because in Australia, it's already the other time. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, what are you talking about? So we want to put God in our own little time zone. Hmm. Do you understand? Now God says, if you talk to me about the seasons, my seasons of time in your life. So your prayer must be, Lord, in your purposes in my life. I pray for a manifestation of your glory. God says, now we are talking. Not 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Don't, don't, don't corner me. Lord, you better show up in the next two minutes or else this thing is gone. God is like, really? Let's stretch the two minutes. For a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. So God says, which day are we talking about? 24 hours or my seasons? So when it comes to spiritual things, don't put a limit to God. Understand the season where you are in God. I feel like Hank this morning. I feel like, I feel like I'm throwing stuff everywhere. I'm just stirring things. That's, that's why I am Hank. I'm just stirring things. By the way, wasn't that a powerful ministry? Let's give God a hand for the servant of the Lord who just...
such a powerful word. And this is what Hank is saying. This is what I heard when you were speaking. That you need to incubate. What God is doing now didn't start today. Because this is the problem. We want God to show up now because we need him now because no. God is the ancient of days. He's not going to be told by you when to show up. He's been here before you were here. Before your dad was here. Before your dad's dad was here. Before up to a thought. He's been here. He's been around. So when you come to God, recognize you are dealing with an ancient of days. In other words, what God is doing today, it's a result of a word that has been incubated in your spirit for over time. And when the moment is right, it gives birth. Are you hearing me? So I heard you very well. And I said, Lord, I need that stuff. I, in other words, you work it until it works. You sit there and you work it and you work it and you work it. And you don't, you don't say, Lord, you better show up now or nothing. No, God says, I've been here before you were here. So you better catch up with me. That's what God is saying. He says, you better catch because I've been here. So you better catch up with me because I am doing something new in this season. Amen. So we want to thank God for his servants. We want to thank God uh, for Prophet Andre this afternoon. My goodness me, was I blessed. I went up with five nuggets here. You remember the five nuggets? Such a practical prophetic word. I love the word of God. You've got to be lovers of God's word. For me, I can sit here and just enjoy and take and take. So tonight we are expecting God to already, in fact, God is already speaking. Amen. God is already stretching us. God is already saying, appreciate what you have. Appreciate the moment because you may not have it all the time. So thank God for this moment because God is doing something great. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand of praise and honor in this place. Hallelujah. So tonight, I want to speak tonight about the army of the Lord. Everybody say the army of the Lord. So Ezekiel 37, let's go there together. Ezekiel 37 from verse number one. We know the scripture is a very familiar scripture. We will go through it line upon line. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord. Can we stand for the reading of the word if you don't mind? Just the first standing, just to honor God. Is that okay, folks? Yeah, just the first. You know, I don't know how you do it in, uh, you know, your culture. In the African culture, for some, for some reason, when we get to the funeral and the obituary, everybody stands. The ob when you say the obituary, it's like, wow, what happened? Because... Somehow we honor the dead more than the living. And we feel, oh man, this is the, these are the last, this is the life of, a, so when God speaks, how much more? This is God speaking. We honor him. The Bible says in Ezra, they had a revival of the word. They were standing from morning till midday, just standing, listening to God. So when God speaks, we pay attention. Amen. So first reading, we stand if, if that's okay. So we read together from verse number one. We can read together. Oh, till verse 10. We'll see. We'll see whether we'll get there. Let's, 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 let's go. One, two, three, go. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. 
Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. Verse number three. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Next verse. Four, 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 four. Is that five? Four. Did I see four? We went to four. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. I didn't see four. I was in the floor. Verse number five. One to go. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you. Cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Next verse. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Next verse. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath thus says the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe on the slain that they may live and the last verse so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army hallelujah you may be seated. The word of God can preach. I say the word of God can preach. We've just heard the word of God. That's enough preaching. The word of God must be so powerful that when read, especially when spoken out and declared, it changes the atmosphere. So the verse, verse says, if you can go to verse number one, and the hand of the Lord was upon me. It's important that for us to engage in the prophetic, the hand of the Lord must be upon you. Amen. The prophetic needs that you cannot prophet mind. You cannot prophet lie. You cannot prophet wish. Come on. Yes, you have to prophesy. So for that to happen, you've got to be connected to the hand of the Lord. Something supernatural must be upon you. Because to prophesy means to speak forth and also to foretell. It means you are connecting with the heavens. You are speaking the mind of God to people. You are speaking the heart of God. So you must be connected to God. That's why the Lord rebuked the prophets in Israel who were not prophesying sent by him. He said, they are saying things I did not tell them to say. So we need to be careful, especially in prophecy, because we are speaking in the name of God. Watch it. You cannot say this is what the Lord saying when the Lord did not say it. Watch it. You better say, I sense and I feel you are safer. Hello, 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 hello. Yeah, you're safer. We have to honor God. We have to be fearful when it comes to the things of God. We have to be careful because we are human. 
Sometimes it's better and safer to say, I feel I have an impression. I feel I have a sense. Mm-hmm, you are right. You, you sense, you feel. Unless God has spoken, be weary to say, God says. Now watch it. Because now that's God speaking. Hello? So should we be afraid to prophesy? The fear of the Lord must come back to the church. For sure. For sure. Because we've, we've used God's thing so casually. So casually to a point where we've gotten used to the move of God. We've gotten used to, and people start prophet lying and prophet minding and prophet gossiping. Hello, hello. They heard something about you and then they said, the Lord says, if not the Lord, you were just told by the friend what happened. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we need to watch it because God is watching. He says, they were not sent by me. I don't know those prophets. So when it comes to the things of God, the hand of the Lord must be upon you. And you know when the hand of the Lord is upon you. You know when the hand, you know. You see, you know when you're normal and you know when the hand is upon you. Hello? You try to run away, but the hand is upon you. You try to avoid it, but the hand is upon you. You try not to think about it, but the hand is upon you. You try to sleep normally, the hand wakes you up. You try to ignore it, the hand gives you visions and dreams and pictures. You say, okay, God, I get it. The hand of the Lord is upon you. You become restless. When the hand of the Lord is upon you, it invades the natural. You've got to allow the prophetic to come to that place where the hand of the Lord is upon you. You've got to get to a place where you've convinced yourself where you beyond reasonable doubt that this is God. I know beyond reasonable doubt. You see, today we don't have manifestation of angels. We should. Something's wrong with us. <laughs> it's not God. It's our generation. God does not see us worthy to manifest angels because we can't handle it because we're too much in the flesh. Because you see angels, then you go print a book. I saw an angel. Then you sell copies and everybody comes around your ministry. Then you build an angel ministry. Really? Do you understand what I'm saying? So our generation does not know how to on. There was a generation where miracles happened and no one even, no one even made an issue about it. Everybody was in awe, including the preachers. We were all in awe. Said, wow, did God, did, that? Did, did God just do that? We, we go on television. We go on television and we show before and after. I don't know whether you've seen that. And then we build a whole ministry around a particular phenomenon and we call it God. And God is bigger than the latest move he just moved. This is the problem. The cloud keeps on moving. The cloud keeps on moving. And we have camped in the previous move. We are so excited and God moves on and we're like, no Lord, you better be here. God says, I've moved there. I've long moved. That's why the children of Israel, when they were always in the desert, they were watchful. Where is God going? Is called present truth. The hand of the Lord must be upon you and it must move you from season to season, pouring you from vessel to vessel, pouring you from place. That's why you we must be, you must never get to a place where you think I, I, I've got it figured out. I know this God, I've been around. Yes, by the grace of God, God gives you insight and knowledge to, be, to come to a place called the rest of the Lord, to rest in a particular way by which God uses you. But even in your rest, you are still fearful. 
Even in your rest, you're still conscious of the presence of God. Everybody say the hand of the Lord. We need to ask God that his hand will come upon us. His hand will come upon you as a housewife. Because sometimes we think the hand of the Lord is only on preachers. Oh no, the hand of the Lord is upon everyone. Remember, this is the New Testament. I will pour my spirit upon. I will pour my spirit upon. Your sons and daughters shall. So, in the New Testament, the Spirit of God does not choose who He sits upon. In the New Testament, the Spirit of the Lord is upon all flesh. So, while you are raising your children as a housewife, a home executive, a housewife, it's a very difficult job. Hmm, very difficult job. Do not underestimate what goes into being a home executive. Raising those kids, looking after them, taking them to school, preparing their breakfast. I mean, it's a whole job. It's a full-time job. And doing their homework when they come back. With them, it's a full-time job. Try that, dad. Because <laughs> it's usually moms like, okay, please deal with the kids. You know, do their homework. Because it's that. So, but when the spirit of the Lord is upon you, when the hand of God is upon you, you are able to speak into your children. You speak into their destiny. Because you can sense that the hand of the Lord is upon Be aware of the hand of the Lord. Where is the hand of the Lord? What is God doing at what time? And where is he leading me? Don't just leave. Be aware. Have a sense of being aware of the hand of the Lord. What the Lord requires. And at that moment, when the hand of the Lord is upon you, he brings you and he carries you by the Spirit of God into a situation. What was that situation? The valley of dry bones. So some of us have got an issue with God. Lord, why did you allow me to be employed in this, in this company? Lord, why did you bring me? It's because God knew you are the solution. In that environment, in that hostile environment, in that toxic environment, in that place where you, where you don't want to wake up and go, it's like, oh, you dread. God says, it's because you are in the flesh. You don't understand that I, my hand is upon you to be a solution into that environment. We cannot escape from the world. We must face the world by the Spirit of God in us and go and invade the earth. So we must have the Spirit of the Lord, the life-giving Spirit. So prophecy, what prophecy does, it's the Spirit of God in us and it speaks life into everything that is around us. The Bible says, as we continue, He led he, you know, he led me back. Firstly, you know, he set me in the middle of dry bones. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones. I've got it in the NIV here. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? So God deliberately takes you into a dysfunctional family. A valley of dry bones. And he sets you there and he says, can these bones live again? And he said, Lord, I don't know. I can't, I can't stand my brother. I can't stand him. No, I can't stand my sister. She has such an attitude. I can't stand. The Lord is sending you into a valley of dry bones. You are now a believer. That's a valley of dry bones. Hello, brother. And we meet during Christmas. And we can't stand each other. Come on. And the whole family is dysfunctional. And everybody's going their own direction. 
and there's no connection. There's a, and God has brought you in the middle. You say, Father, please, the sooner I escape this, the better. When is this Christmas? This, this day is getting too long. It's just, when is it getting over? Jesus, can I just escape? Can I just get delivered from? The Lord has brought you intentionally into the valley of dry bones. So that in that valley of dry bones, you will see the reality. Now God says, look at them through the eyes of the spirit. If you look at people through the eyes of the flesh, you will see them for all their imperfections. But if you look at them through the eyes of the spirit, you will begin to speak destiny into their lives. You will call forth the purposes of God. When you look at your rebellious children, you will declare to them, you will do the will of God. You will serve the Lord with all of your heart. You are a man and a woman of God. And the kids are like, hmm. There, there, there's, there mom goes again. There, there's mommy. There she goes again. There she goes saying stuff about us. You say it until it manifests. Because what is prophecy? Prophecy is the word of the Lord that goes forth into an environment where nothing is there and it starts creating. Prophecy is the word of the Lord that is sent forth. It goes into the future. The, st the confession stuff that, you know, Prophet Andrew was talking about. The thing he writes down, the confession. He says those things and the things go into the future. So prophecy, it's speaking. It's your confessions into the future that have a creative ability. God says you see, God is teaching the prophet here how to operate in the supernatural. He brings him into a complicated situation. He says, can this situation change? It's a trick. It's a tricky question. God the Almighty is asking you, you see this mess? Do you think it can change? It's a trap. <clears throat> So the prophet realizes, I'm going to evade this trap. And he says, I don't know. Shakataya. I love that answer. That's a real answer. That's an answer you're supposed to give God. Lord, I don't know. I have no idea. I've never seen this situation before. Come on, come on, come on. I've never seen that. I don't, I've never met anything like this. I have no idea. What he means is, I even have a level of doubt. What he also means is, I'm not sure whether it's going to work. <laughs> but he is too religious or too conscious of God's greatness. To, and he's trying to be politically correct in his uh, answer to say, Lord, are we, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't really know. You know, Lord. You, 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 are the, you are the omniscient God. You are the God who knows all things. But I, in other words, he does not want to commit himself. And God says, you are right. You are human. You can't commit yourself. But I'm about to help you. This is how you deal with situations you can't handle. The answer, prophesy. Prophesy. You know what the Lord said to me, Pastor Andre? You know what the Lord said to me about load shedding? I said, Lord, how do we pray? Because... I, I pray, you know, we, are, we do prayer everywhere, so I lead prayer. And I said, Lord, how do I pray? Because, you know, there is a way to pray. 
the Bible talks about different kinds of prayers. So there's a way you pray for certain things. You don't just pray everything, anything about everything. There's a way you enter. And I said, Lord, how do we pray for load shedding? Shakatayamasa. It's a powerful, it's a powerful thing. How, how many would love to know how do we pray for load shedding? Oh my goodness. This is power. Is this not a revelation? Something is about to happen. Let the Facebook go live. Let everything. We need to tell more people. Here's the answer for how to pray for load shedding. Let everybody join in. We are about to get. Ooh, South Africa, you are about to receive an answer on how to pray for load shedding once and for all. Everybody, do you believe that? I thought you were people of faith. You guys pray for stuff that I don't even know. Eh? It's like, so load shedding is big. And I said, Lord, how do we pray? And the Lord took me to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Put it up, put it up. Genesis chapter 1. Let's all read. Here's a revelation. Here's a load, load shedding panacea. Genesis chapter 1. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Everybody, Genesis chapter 1 from verse number 1. Let's go. 1, 2, 3. It's still coming. So let's read. 1, 2, 3, go. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void and without form. Uh-huh. And darkness covered the face of the earth. Load shedding. <laughs> and what was the first thing God said? My God, what a revelation. What was the first thing God said? Let there be light. And the Lord said to me, if you will speak what I spoke, listen to me, this is, it may not be your revelation, it's my revelation. I believe it with all of my heart. Because I'm saying, you know, because here is a problem with, 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 with the, with the, with the, Power utility. In our minds, we say, okay, there's, there's corruption and there's whatever. So we have, we know the natural. And because we are aware of the natural, we, we have relegated our risk, abdicated our responsibility to pray for the situation because we say it's corruption. Because it's corruption, we, we are just praying for God to uproot the corrupt. But the lights are still off. So that does not really solve the problem to uproot. Yeah, it's a good prayer, but we, we need somebody to turn on the lights. <laughs> so how do you turn on the lights? The Lord said, let there be light. Yes. If we pray that prayer, unless we don't believe what Hank said this morning. If we pray that prayer continuously until the atmosphere is pregnant with the word of the Lord. Over South Africa. Hear me. Hear me very well. Are we not believers? Are we not spiritual people? Don't we believe in the power of creation? Do we believe that God spoke something out of nothing? Oh yes. And if we are, we are the sons of God. Like father, like son. If we carry the same spirit that is in the father. 
when he spoke into darkness and said, let there be light, and light popped from nowhere. Right now, they don't know where to get light. They are not telling us the truth. They just, they are, they are stuck. They don't know what's going to happen. I can tell you, our government is in trouble. Our government is stuck. They are trying their best, but it's, it's, it's not looking good. They are not telling us the truth that, guys, you're going to be in darkness for a while. They are afraid of making us panic. But I can tell you, when the church begins to pray and begins to declare, because what do you say to God? You, you can't pray a petition. You can't pray a prayer of asking. Father, we pray for light. God says, I have long provided the light. Your people messed up the light. You, your administrators, your people who are supposed to look at bad stewardship messed up. So you can't say, Father, we pray for light. No, wrong prayer. You need to proclaim and declare. You need to decree into the atmosphere. You need to step into the spiritual realm and prophesy. That's prophesy. Prophesy. Let me see some people who are willing to prophesy into load shedding. I, I believe with all of my heart, if the whole church can routinely pray, Father, we decree and declare over the load shedding situation, let there be light. We decree Genesis chapter 1, when you spoke light out of darkness, we decree as we speak, let there be light, let there be light, let there be light. When the atmosphere is pregnant with the word of God, there is no other way God will supernaturally provide wisdom, intuitive, understanding, and things will begin to... Why? Because the church is praying. Prophecy is exactly that. Is to speak something out of nothing. Where people say it's impossible. You say all that is impossible with God is possible. So the prophet was in that situation. Dry bones. Let's take it. Let's bring it home. What dry bones are. He's basically taking him to the graveyard where people have died a long time ago. And everybody is a corpse. Because sometimes we spiritualize this verse. And there were dry bones. It was corpse. Dead people. It was corpse. Piles of corpse. Dead people with skulls. It was skulls. It's a nice, we, we, we love religion, a valley of dry bones, beautiful valley of dry. <laughs> There was nothing beautiful about that. It was, it was a massacre. The Rwanda situation. I don't know how many of you have watched the, do the documentary about Rwanda. When they packed skulls in a mountain, people who were killed, they were packing their skulls and their bones. It was a valley of dry bones. So it's a disaster. It's a traumatic situation. That's why the prophet said, I don't know. I have never seen, I have seen the dead being raised while everything is still there together. The face is there, the nose is there, the legs are there. I mean, everything is there. There's even some flesh. I mean, I can raise that. Come on, Hank. I can, I can raise that. Try raising a skull. No sinews, no flesh, nothing, just bones. That's why the prophet said, I don't know about this. 
I have no reference. I have no biblical reference of skulls being raised. I know people being raised from the dead. I'm not sure about skulls. And the Lord says, I am about to create. Prophesy. You know what does that tell me? It tells me there's no impossible situation. When we prophesy, when we, there is nothing impossible. He said, son of man, prophesy to the bones. Ooh. Prophesy to the bones. Say to the bones, oh, dry bones. Wow. <laughs> oh, dry bones. Bones can't hear, bones can't speak, bones. There's no life there. But there used to be life. So God is bringing us into impossible situations. The prophetic is going to be a very serious key going into the future. Pandemics have started. Those who are researchers and epidemiologists tells us that this phenomenon is likely to repeat itself after even more shorter time. It was 100 years now from the bubonic uh, pandemic. Now, they say these kinds of things are likely to continue in shorter spaces as the time goes on. So we would need to learn the skill of prophesying to viruses and tell them you are not coming here. We would need the skill to prophesy to situations where the world says this is an impossible situation. Prophecy is the power to create. As you speak it, God creates He invades the words. I was listening. As you speak it, God creates. All that God is searching for is an agent in the earth that can agree with him. God is, is powerful. He's too powerful than we can imagine. But he lacks people who can stand where he stands. He just needs a human agent like a conductor of electricity. When a lightning strikes, it needs a good conductor to come down. God is looking for people who know how to catch the wave and release it and bring it so that he can manifest. What's happening in the U.S. with those, you know, awakenings is because people captured something supernatural and it remained. So all that God is looking for, he's looking for you to be, <clears throat> to be, I don't want to be, I don't want to use the word insane because it doesn't sound right. But to be, what did you say? You said something. To be, to be insane enough. Come on. That's no nice word. Sorry, people. That's no other word. To be insane enough to believe the word of God. When everybody, you know, <laughs> faith is something else. There was a young, there's a, a man who got born again. You know, he's, he, he used to be in serious, traditional, ancestral worship. And we ministered to him. He got born again. He got so radically saved. So radically saved. That when his car one day could not start ignition. He, he opened the bonnet. He said, in the name of Jesus, you demon in my engine, get out. <laughs> this was because this man used to be a traditionalist. He would sleep with a goat in the room when they do rituals. 
Because that goat in the morning when they slaughter it, it must make a sound. So that that sound says the ancestors have agreed. The goat may decide not to make a sound. If that goat does not make any sound, all that money that you've spent is, is in vain. The, the ancestors have not, so he must sleep. He fast. These things are spiritual people. Hello. So that man gets converted. His car, for mechanical reasons, Pastor Andre as an engineer, for mechanical reasons, the car has got mechanical problems. It's early in the morning. It's, the ignition is taking time to, to kick in. He, he sees the devil. He opens up the bonnet. He rebukes. He commands the devil to leave. He enters the car. The car starts. Boom. Says yes. Now I'm feeling for him because I'm thinking it's not going to happen. It's not going to. The man is operating in a different level. He has heard and he has believed. The other day, he had no petrol to carry. I mean, the stuff that he's, be, I'm, like, I'm like, he's going over the top. But that's what happens to somebody who believes God without any restraints. Because he knows how he used to believe the ancestors. He used to worship darkness. Now he has turned that faith, that energy. He brings it to God. The man is on a reserve tank. The petrol ends while he's driving. From PE to East London. He says, you will carry me up until I arrive. Look, logically, he looks at the tank. He realizes, I'm only left with 50 kilometers. He's in the middle. He's somewhere in Grahamstown. Hello. He's supposed to hit East London. He says, in the name of Jesus. And I'm like, okay. I don't know about that, but he believes it. He speaks it. The car carries him and gets to East London. And he tells me this and I'm like, um, it's okay. Amen. <laughs> Why? Because he has believed. We need to understand the moment we prophesy. I'm not, please don't try this at home. The stuff we are saying here is not prescriptive, it's descriptive. I am describing a man who's walking in faith. Please pour your petrol before you take a journey from here to... You, you've got it. Amen. So, don't say, oh, hallelujah, brother. I can... Everybody say prophesy. We need to learn how to prophesy. To the bones. Sometimes we, we speak around. We say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I know if this is your will. God says, no, you're not praying. This is not a problem you need to pray to me about. I've given you authority to speak life into this situation. You prophesy. This is not a situation. And he started prophesying. Next verse, please. As he prophesied, the Bible says something began to happen. Thus says the Lord. He says, surely I will cause breath to come into you and you shall live. It's, it's, a, it's like what Goliath, it's like what David said to Goliath. He said, you come to me with a spear and a javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Today, Shammah 
He's telling him what's going to happen now. Today, I shall cut your head and I shall feed it to the birds of the air. This man is looking at this little boy. If what the artists show us is true. That's a disclaimer. He's looking at this little boy. He says, today, I'm going to cut your head. You see, you have to make a declaration. You've got to do what? That's prophesying. That's prophesying. You say today. In other words, you refuse to accept the status quo. You stand on your ground. I think last time I was here, I spoke about uh, Josiah, Josiah Reed or Isaiah Reed. Remember Isaiah Reed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In other words, that mother of Isaiah, that thing just shocks me. That mother of Azari believed the word of the Lord. She refused that my son. God told him, for those who don't know, I am happy to repeat the story. God told him, your son is a man of God. Your son is a man. At that time, the son is a pimp. He's a, he is in drug lord. He's a drug lord. He's a pimp. He is controlling Human trafficking, you know, all kinds of, all the stuff you hear about, you know, in the movies. He's doing it. He dies. They shoot him. Close range. He dies. He gets to the uh, hospital. He is declared dead. The mother is called. Because somehow, I think that was the first thing they saw on the phone. Next of kin. Read. Mrs. Reed, probably that's a mother or wife, whatever. They call this number. It's the mother. They say, ma'am, your son is dead. He says, which son? They say, I think he, he says, I, they look at his ID as I read. He says, no, it's not possible. They say, no, ma'am, we are not asking you. We're telling you, your son is dead. <laughs> we are now busy conducting post-mortem. We have opened him up. Oh, yes. We have opened him up and we are just doing the courtesy. It's not a question of arguing whether is it possible, can, what do you mean? He says, no. He says, put the phone on my son's ear. That's what she said. Put the phone. <laughs> Prophesy to the bones. That's a bone. Put, put. He says, she says, put the phone. They say, ma'am, he's dead. He says, I know. Put the phone. They said, okay. Because she's grieving. You know how we understand. Maybe this is how she, this is her way of grieving and closing the chapter. So they dared to do. They put the phone. She began to prophesy. To say, my son, God. She spoke to God. She said, God, you said. On the phone, the, the, the son, the cops. God, you said my son will be a man of God. Therefore, this cannot be the condition. This is not my son. My son will live for God. He's a man. As she began to speak and reminding God of his promises, the cops, the, the, the heart came back. The doctors were shocked. They said, what's happening? What's happening? Close him up. Close him up. What's going on? Close him up. What's going on? What's happening? What is this? The man lived. True story. True story. Those of you know the testimony. True story. The man lived. You can even Google it. Isaiah read. He still has a cut from here. To hear, they had opened him up. He was the, for, listen, he was found dead for hours because they shot him somewhere out there. They found him a few hours later. So he's basically brain dead. There's no possibility. Prophesy. Prophesy. 
We have to speak. We need to come to a place where we can speak to a dead situation. Listen, if you don't have faith for it, ask God faith for it. Because this woman refused. And you know what? He woke up. Guess what? He went back to drugs. Oh, yes, he did. Because he didn't get it. He's like, okay, mom. His mother told him, I prayed for her. Yeah, mom. Yeah. Yeah, mom, I know. I know, mom. Share. Show, mom. No problem. Hey, guys, well, what's happened? Let's go back. He, it's when God encountered him in a moment where he was sitting with his friends and one girl was manifesting there, wanting to commit suicide and all that. And then he heard himself saying, I'll pray for you. He heard himself saying, I'll pray for you. And this girl stopped. Whatever demon was going on in that girl stopped. And she looked at her and she was like, okay, let's do it. And he thought, okay. You understand? He's high. His friends are high. This girl is high. But she was manifesting because of the drugs. Now he said out of, we don't know where it came from. I'll pray for you. And she stopped manifesting. She looked at him and the friend says, yeah, 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 let's pray. Let's pray. So let's pray. So he brought them together and he started praying. You don't want to hear how he prayed. Hey, men upstairs, here we are here. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so uh, do your thing, you know, it's just. <laughs> the prophecy that his mother spoke pulled him out of that situation and made him the man today. He goes around with his testimony. He still does that. I think he's still alive. Eh? Yes. He goes from place to place preaching what God has done. Because it's a miracle. Listen to me. Prophesy. To what? To the dry bones. I don't know what your dry bones are. You can come to church and we can prophesy over your life. But until you learn how to prophesy for yourself. Over yourself. Over the situations that face your life and speak to those dry bones and say bones live again. Look at the Bible says, I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and the breath will come upon you. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. You shall live and you shall know. So you must declare the outcome. This is what the Lord is going to do. You must tell your children, you will serve God. You decree it. They may be rebellious. They may never like God. They may, they may think you are weird. You are superstitious. You are too fanatic. Tell your kids, you will serve God. This God of heaven, you will serve him. Okay, mom. Yeah, dad, sure. Yeah. Keep on saying it. Keep on saying it. My children, my, my grandchildren will serve God. My children will serve God. Speak to those dry bones. I was in Estonia one time and we were ministering to these Estonian kids, university kids in the, in the place called Tartu, where their university is. So we're ministering to these kids. And this one child said to me, we have, I have never been to church because my parents have never been to church. Last time I was in church is when my grandmother was being buried in an Orthodox church. So when you say church to me, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, wow, well done, parents. Hello? Because that's exactly the product you're going to get. If you don't raise your children in godliness, they're going to end up in a world where they don't even know God. In other words, it's dry bones. But we were prophesying in Estonia. <laughs> Hello? 
And we had to be, tra- I had to go around with a translator. Dere, dere. That's how they say hello. Dere, dere. Dere, dere. So that's the language. Yeah, it's Estonian language. And so you go around with a, you, <laughs> you witness with an interpreter. So it's like boom, 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 boom. I mean, it takes, it takes a while, but we get there. We were prophesying to the dry bones. What will happen to the dry bones? They shall live again. You must see the end results. You don't speak the process. You speak the end results. You will leave. You will serve God. You will come out of this situation. God is going to break you free from every bondage and everything. You must speak the end result. Amen? Let's continue. And the, I love the part where he speaks about the spirit. Let's go on. It says, now, give me the next verse, please. So I prophesied as I was commanded. So this is not about how I felt. This is not even about was it logic or was it not logic. I prophesied as? That's it. If you will foolishly obey God. If you will foolishly. I am using that word deliberately. Because sometimes the things of God look a little bit cuckoo's. Do you understand? If you will, as I I could see that there is no way, when God brings you to pray for an HIV fully blown person, you stand there, you see, you don't even see the bed. The person is there, but them and the bed are almost one. I don't know whether you've ever seen a person who's got a full blown HIV. It's a serious situation. And God says to you, prophesy. You do as commanded, not as you think, because that situation is beyond your reason. There are situations in your life where you have to learn to do as commanded. What has the Lord commanded you? If you don't know what God has commanded you, you will not be able to pray. You will not be able to speak. Do as commanded. I prophesied as I was commanded, and to my surprise, there was a noise. And then there was a rattling. And I was shocked as it was busy happening. I thought, what in the world is going on? You just prophesied. It's like those who were praying for Peter and he starts knocking at the door. And the child says, Peter said that. They say, yeah, 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 go, go, go back. You don't know what you're talking about. Shakataya, Father, we prophesy, we pray. Let the prison doors open. Let the prison, Peter knocks. But they are still spiritual. They are shaking. They feel the power. The man is knocking. The prayers has been answered. They don't believe the child. Because they did not expect God to answer so quickly. The child knocks. Peter knocks on the door. And the child opens up and he comes in and they are shocked. Listen to me. If you will obey God. God is going to make things to turn around so quickly. So quickly. You will do as commanded. Do as, not as you think, not as you analyze, not as you do as commanded. Speak into that situation. And the Bible says, and I heard a noise, and I heard a rattling, and the bones came together, bone on bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin, I wish I could see this vision. You know, somebody must do this film. Somebody must create a film here. We need anointed, Holy Spirit-filled filmmakers. Come on. Who know how to bring the Bible to life. 
Because this is a powerful movie. Come on, people. Come on, movie, movie writers. Do we have any movie writers in the house of God? Or are we just all heavenly bound and earthly? You will you'll just fill up that. Amen. <laughs> heavenly bound and earthly no good. Hopefully not. Because sometimes we become spiritual. Do you know that movies are the most effective way of communicating to our generation. Young people, visuals communicate to them better. And if we don't produce filmmakers who are anointed by the Spirit, who can use things like this to demonstrate the power of God, to show it so that these kids... I mean, when I saw that movie of... Uh, Moses, you know, remember the move of Moses and the move of Joseph? The, it's like, wow, so this is what happened. You see it, though it's in the Bible. They don't read the Bible. They want movies. So we need to have people who know how to bring forth, how to birth. I know this sounds unspiritual, but to me it's very spiritual. We need people who know how to prophesy in the language of this generation. Because they're not going to come to church and hear you saying, that says the Lord. Oops, they are not in church right now. Where do you think they are? It's Saturday night. Zoom, 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 zoom. <laughs> so you have to bring something that captures. Are you hearing my heart? Do you hear what I'm saying? You've got to bring something that, that arrests their attention. But until you present something radical, this is... That's how you prophesy to a generation of our time. That's how you prophesy to a generation. Because you need to prophesy through the media that they always, they are always on the gadgets. TikTok, a quick, you know, five, you know, whatever, 30 seconds, bang, bang, bang. God can do this. God can, it's like, what? I want this. We need to know. And some of the younger people know how to do that. We need to get into that matter. Amen? Because we've got to think how do we prophesy in the language of our generation? Because they're not going to line up for church for prophecy and we say the name for the tape. And they are recording. They are not going to be interested. They don't know that paradigm, but they can watch a movie. They can watch TikTok. They can see the power of God in five minutes. These healings you do there, you need to do them and say, this is what God can do. Boom, boom, boom. It's like, huh? can this happen? Where is this? I want to go there because they want to see power. That's how you prophesy to the, to the dry bones. This is how we need to think about it. So the Bible says, stuff began to happen. Next verse. I want to see. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. That's the spirit of God. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. That says the Lord, come from the four winds. I, I don't know whether you believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. You need to prophesy and pull stuff from the four winds. And say, Father, let the wind of God come. Let the breath of God come. Let the ruach of God come. So what do we need in our generation? We don't need celebrity pastors and celebrity prophets. We need to raise an army. Because that verse, when it goes down, look at verse number 10. The Bible says, and when I prophesied, as I was commanded, the breath came into them. And they lived and stood up. What was this people? These corpses and bones were what? And the Bible says, they stood up on their feet. It was what? An exceedingly great army. Oh, 
So these dead people is an army. So this dead church is actually an army. It's an army that went into battle and was defeated. It's an army that went into battle and was killed. It's an army that was faithful to God and it died. It's not somebody who's an unbeliever. This is the army of the Lord. This is Israel. This is the army of God. These are the people that fought in the name of the Lord. But they were killed. Now they were dry bones. And it took prophecy to raise them up. Let me make this statement. The church is a giant that has been slain. But must arise. But for the church to arise, it will take prophesying and prophecy and speaking the word of the Lord over the church of Jesus Christ. Because the church has lost power. We've got form, but we have no power. We've got the looks, but we have no content. Do you understand? In our generation, we speak big language, no power. We talk big, we drive big cars, we do big buildings, no power. In the early church, no big buildings, no big cars, power. Tangible power. Hello? We saw the example of Paul. He says, you will not die. The angel appeared to me today and says, you will not die. We are all safe. Power. In the middle of the ocean, power. Do you understand? You will live and not die and declare the works of God. Power. You don't have to have, you don't have to have a big name and be a big prophet, but you need to have a big God. You need to know the, how big your God is and have power. This world needs power. And power is not flamboyant. Power is substance. The things you say, how you think, and what you do. God wants the church to arise. We are the army that is dead. This is what we do. We come, we gather, and we go. To come again and gather and go. To come yet again, to gather yet again, and go, and gather again, to go so that we come, and gather, and go, and come. Uh -uh. Near. Something is wrong. That's why the young people, I love the young people, I know how they think. They're thinking, dad, where are you going? Mom, where are you going? To church. Again? Yes. Okay. In their minds, they're thinking, so you're going and you come to go again. But we still don't see any changes. Hello? And you're going to go again, mom. You're going again to pray again, to cry again, and come back again. And dad is still the same. He's still abusive. He still talks the things he talks. And you're praying for him, mom. To go and come back. And to still come to this situation. Again. I don't know whether we can believe in your God, mom. Come on. Because you see, you have not dealt with that situation. You have not. You have prayed around it. You're using a wrong prayer. Are using petitions and supplications. You have to use 
a command. You've got to prophesy. You've got to speak into that situation. You've got to be a little bit more aggressive. Hello? You've got to learn to be militant. We are talking about an army here. An army is militant. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we are asking, so our children want to see power. Our young people want to see power. They want to see the power. We cannot keep on doing the same thing the same way and expect different results. Something must shift. A man by the name of Cesar Castellanos, some of you know him, a leader in, in South America. As in his early years in the Lord, you are coming to know God. He said, God, if you are there, I want to meet you at 10. He did that thing of 10. If you are there, I want to meet you at 10 tonight when everybody's gone to sleep. So it's me and you. We, I want to talk to you if you are there. <laughs> so at 10 o'clock, he put a chair over there. He put a chair here. He said, okay, God, let's talk. He says... As he was waiting, light came through the door. Light. He says, the light he has never seen before. Hello? It came and he knew that was God. And all the excitement and the boldness came to, to nothing. When he realized that this, this thing is real. This man actually came and he met me. That's the kind of stuff that our kids want to hear. But for that level of power to come, we've got to prophesy into that situation. We've got to hear the word of the Lord and we've got to speak into that environment and believe God for it. I don't know how many are ready to prophesy because you've got to ask it, Lord, I'm asking for this power because the army of the Lord is dry bones. South Africa is 80% Christian. Duh. South Africa? Oh, yeah, statistics. 80% Christian. And it's number four in crime. In the world. So who's committing crime? <clears throat> okay, I will leave that to your own imagination and conclusion. Something is not working, folks. Something is not. We can't be 80% Christian. And we are number four in crime. And it's the other 20% that's doing the crime. I'm sure it's the 20%. That's, you understand? It's the, it's the 20% that's bothering the 80%. Really? No. You must go to prison and see them talking in tongues. Oh yeah, what do you think? You get there, you pray for them, they get born again. They get, and some of them come from Christian families. Some of them are pastors in prison. Stuff happened. Do you understand? So what am I saying? I'm saying something must shift. We cannot be a Christian country and still have be number four in crime. So it's because we are not influencing. We have left the world to rot. So oh, they are so... Ungodly, it's the Gentiles. And we are the children of the Most High God. Receive us, O oh Father, into your bosom while we watch the world die in their sin.
They are sinners anyway. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We are responsible for our neighborhood. You are responsible for your street. The chaos that's going on there, you are responsible. That's why God has put you there. Because of that chaos. To solve it. When people broke into my house and took my big screen TV. Come on. In my house. I'm a pastor. In my street. I'm known as a pastor. They broke into my house. While I was asleep. And they took my television. And my computers. While I was asleep. I woke up in the morning. Fortunately, there's a door that leads to the bedroom, which we lock. So they couldn't come through that door. It was locked. I wake up in the morning. I go through the kitchen and there's a strange wind. It's too windy. I don't know whether you know what I'm talking about. It's too windy in the kitchen. And I'm like, where is this wind coming from? So I follow the wind. I realize they broke the kitchen door. They came in. Then I, then I realized, I thought I did not see the television. Then I go back to the lounge. There's no television. Where is the television? <laughs> I don't know whether you've experienced what I'm talking about. But it's like, what happened to the television? <laughs> they took it. And then theological questions went through my mind. Where was some 91 angels? The angels of the Lord shall encamp around those who fear God. Where was, where was this? Where was that? Then I realized what God said to me. I want you to taste what people go through. And what you're going to do about it. Because that, there was a syndicate in our area. But I kept on hearing and nothing moved me because they didn't come to my house until they came. And the Lord woke me up and he said, that's why I allowed them. So that you taste what other people are tasting. Guess what I did? I understood it as a command of the Lord to prophesy to the bones. So I went from house to house with a little invitation. Community, we need to meet. We have a syndicate in our area. If we don't meet together to strategize, we will, they will finish all of us. I'm calling a meeting tomorrow at 3 p.m. I was handing in my whole neighborhood. I took my boss. We were entering house to house. Lo and behold, tomorrow at 3 p.m., there was a big meeting. There's a church near us, and everybody was there. Guess who called the meeting? Why did I call the meeting? My TV is missing. There was nothing divine or whatever. It was a practical, my television is missing. I must deal with that. I, I better prophesy. What am I saying? Sometimes God allows situations to come your way so that you will arise and become an Ezekiel and prophesy to the bones. And because it doesn't affect you, you think it doesn't affect you. Hello? It's affecting all those other people. It's coming to you. <laughs> because they are closing in. So before they close in completely, you better arise and be a Gideon and lead an army of restoration and cleaning up our neighborhoods. If we don't get up and do it. Now, I'm in the potholes. 
I know this doesn't sound spiritual, but to me, these are spiritual things. We can't praise God here and get out and all our rims are gone. <laughs> Do you know how expensive it is to fix a rim? I was shocked. They told me 1,200. I said, what? what? And all the four rims were damaged. I thought, my goodness, that's another, that's a brand new tire. My car, the tire is 4,000. <clears> so I had to, I'm like, what? And I realized, what you going to do about it? Are you going to prophesy? So I realized, we need to prophesy. How do we prophesy? Organize the community. Let's find somebody who's got tar. Where, did, where do they get the tar? I don't know where they get the tar. Get the civil engineer, somebody who knows how to do these things. And we pay them as the community to fix our streets because ain't no government going to fix your streets. If you're waiting, you're going to wait for some, for some time. They are corrupt. So we know. What are we going to do about it? That's the question. Are you going to prophesy to these dry bones or are we going to wait until rapture? <laughs> this is how we prophesy. Speak to the bones. The bones are not far. They're in our, they are not very far. They're in our communities. Speak to the bones. They're not far. It's not something far. It's here. It's happening daily. We deal with it every day. The question is, what are we going to do about it? I don't know whether you, I know that sometimes we spiritualize these things, but I believe, you know, true revival to me. Thank you for the piano. Uh, Mama, thanks. You know, true, what true revival is to me? True revival, it's when it's not closed in the four walls. It's when, the, it's when the neighborhood comes and says, we want to see this church that's making an impact in our generation. Where our nurses are spirit-filled and they prophesy. Where our doctors are spirit-filled and prophesy. Where our artisans, where our ushers, where our catering teams, what is this, your, your, what is this, your, what, what do you, waiters and waitresses are spirit-filled. I mean, where everybody in the territory has been touched by God. That's the power of influence. Church of Jesus Christ, if we don't realize the time we are living in, if we don't realize the time we are living in, it will be too late for us to prophesy. Islam is closing in on us very quickly. Look at Britain. The powerful Great Britain. It's almost Islamized. Almost Islamized. Unbelievable. Who, who, who ever thought the English people can today become Islamized? You know why? Because they became believers. Christians became complacent. Church was no longer important. And the Muslim nations kept on coming, kept on coming, kept on. And they're big. It's not one, two children. It's like seven, 15, 12. It's a, it's a nation. A family is a nation. Because they are there to take over. They are not playing. This is no secret. It's open. It's, it's known that they have clearly said, we will Islamize Britain by such and such a time. They've declared it. Now the mayor of certain cities in Britain is Islam. The prime minister is not a Christian. He's Hindu. 
So a whole Great Britain, hello South Africa. If you do not take responsibility now and prophesy into the politics of this nation, to say, Father, we will not be led by ungodly people. We prophesy godly men and godly women to arise and take the excellence of power. Those who fear God and hear the voice of God. If we do not pray into and prophesy in that area and we're sitting on our blessed assurance waiting for something to happen, then the enemy is going to take all the strides. The question is, and I know, and I understand clearly what Prophet Andre said in the, in the afternoon. And I hear his heart. But let me tell you, if we don't raise spirit-filled, born-again, prophetic politicians in the house of God, then let's not blame anybody. Because this is our choice. By doing nothing, we have done something. By doing nothing, oh, we are just praying. Great. Wrong principle. We don't need prayer only. We need prophecy. We need to speak because we've been praying. Talk about prayer. We've been praying. We've been praying for this nation for years. But God says, it's not enough just to pray. You've got to prophesy. Because the situation of South Africa is dry bones. Dry bones. So who are we raising? We must prophesy. Father, we prophesy. We prophesy anointed politicians, spirit-filled, God-fearing, hearing from God. Those who don't love themselves, who love the people, who care for the people, who've got the heart for them. You've got to prophesy them into existence and, until they manifest. Have you ever gone to public service? Public service? And see how long? Try going to home affairs. Wow, what an encounter. I went to home affairs at 5 a.m. I came out at 2 p.m. with no results. <laughs> Queuing. I couldn't believe myself. I thought, this is a, I thought this is not true. This is not possible. How does this work? Queuing, sitting, you know, polishing all the benches. <laughs> when you get to the end... Sorry, we are offline. How many know what I'm talking about? How are we going to change that? Prophesy. Because we have no... We need to speak the system to run. Lord, we prophesy South Africa shall be an efficient society. South Africa shall become an efficient nation. South Africa shall become a sharp, efficient... I mean... You go to first world countries. Ha! Huh. You get there. You are served. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are served. You are thinking, wow. I mean, just now, you know, two weeks ago, whenever I went to the States, there was no load shedding. <sighs> I said, this is wonderful. This is, this is what our country used to be like. <laughs> Until we prophesy. I'm saying when the situation is desperate, you need to prophesy. And when you prophesy, like in the days of judges, God will raise judges. God will raise people. In the days of judges, God raised specific individuals who were anointed by God to do things that others could not do. Read the book of Judges. It says everybody did whatever they liked. Because 
The generation had lost connection with God. But God would raise a Samson. God would raise a Gideon. God would raise a Deborah. God would raise. So there were specific people. But we must prophesy them into existence. They're not just going to appear. Because the enemy also does not want righteousness to prevail. Hello? So we can be in church and be in a safe environment. But we can create an environment that is artificial. Just for a season. When we step out of here, the real world confronts us. I don't know whether you hear what I just said. We can create our bubble here and feel good and feel safe. And run generators and have everything. We do this in church all the time. And get home and realize we're still in South Africa. For a while there I thought I was in heaven. Jesus, hallelujah. When am I coming to heaven? But I realized I'm still here. Until I prophesy. I know this is a different angle of prophecy, but I believe if, if, if this thing is going to work, let's not give people stuff that doesn't change our society. We need to use prophecy to address the bread and butter issues we face every day. How do we solve the problem? Prophesy. We need an army of the Lord to arise. We need an army of God to arise and to arise and say, we are the, I mean, when I saw, you know, uh, Uncle Angus Barkin, that prayer of one million people, I said, wow, look at that. You understand? Now, can you imagine if all those were one million prophets? Ooh. And we were all prophesying. We were all speaking the word of the Lord and the atmosphere was beginning to be pregnant with possibilities. God would move. 